Penn State 22, Wisconsin 10. Another win. We improved to 7-3. Get through our three-game stretch, 2-1, and one, and look to finish the season strong. Whole lot to talk about. Well, not really, but we're still going to do it. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Sunday, November 11th. Happy Veterans Day, first and foremost. Thank you to all the vets out there who have served. Um, good weekend, Pat. Penn State wins 22-10. to 10. Not the prettiest game, but, uh, but it's a win. Um, move to 7-3. and three, Have a chance to finish the season at 9-3. and three. And uh, most importantly for me, we stay ranked because had we lost to Wisconsin, I have a very strong feeling we would have fallen out. Um, how you doing today, man? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It wasn't, you know, you would like a little flashier win over a team like Wisconsin that has also been disappointing this season. But a win at, at this point in the season, we're not worrying about, you know, basically how great our wins look because we're not making the playoff anyway. So at this point, you just want to win. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, it's a win. Sure, we would have loved to put up 40, 50 points, but all in all, a pretty good game all around. Um, we move up to number 15 in the coaches poll, number 16 in the AP. Uh, so I have to imagine we'll be at least there or better in the, in the CFP rankings that come out on Tuesday. Typically, CFP has us a little bit higher than the AP. Um, could still be an outside shot at a New Year's Six Bowl. Hell, if we're, you know, number 14, number 15 in that um, CFP ranking, two weeks left, a couple teams are going to lose. There's a chance we can kind of sneak into to one of those New Year's six, if not, um, you know, still a very good New Year's Day bowl. So a lot to be happy about. Yeah, well, I mean, let me tell you, it, there might be a shot, but it is definitely outside. Yes, yes, very true. Um, you know, you have the losses that we have. It's it's not ideal, but like I said, you know, a, a nine and three Penn State team, there are some bowl committees that are still going to uh, – want our our fan base and the sales that they were get from our traveling teams so um we'll see how that goes but but overall uh good win uh, and, and a stat i saw earlier that i really liked this clinches penn state's 14th straight winning season uh dating back to 2005 which is kind of crazy to me you know we talk a lot about you know some of the disappointments and some of the letdowns but i think that just puts it in perspective um only three other teams have done that for the last 14 years. Those teams are Oklahoma, Boise State, and LSU. Um, there's a couple There's a couple more that wow. can do it with if they finish the season strong. It's Wisconsin, Virginia Tech, USC, and Florida State, uh, which blows my mind because I feel like Florida State has been awful this year. I don't know what their record is. Um, but, yeah, I think it kind of puts it in perspective. Um, you know, we, we've talked about how – well, shit, we haven't made the, the college football playoff. We, yeah, we won the one Big Ten championship, but we want more. I mean, Barstool, Penn State tweeted it earlier, kind of pointing out the obvious. Like, that stat means that since 2005, every team that I have not just named has at least won 500 or sub-500 team or season. And that's Bama, that's Clemson, that's Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, Florida, Texas, all these powerhouse programs. Like, it happens, right? Um, so the consistency that we've had, sure, this season's been – quote-unquote disappointing, but I thought that was really cool and, and something that I wasn't really aware of. Yeah, I think one thing we need to keep sight of as Penn State fans, especially people calling for Franklin's head, is that it, 
the outcomes we've had the past, you know past two seasons have been disappointing based on where we want to be, but based on where we could be, they're really yeah, quite. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and and we've put this one to bed before. We are very much pro Franklin at this point. Um, I'm starting to get to the Ricky Ronnie hot seat question. Uh, I'm not I'm not loving him as an offensive coordinator, but um, yeah, we're we're on Team Franklin, and and again, putting everything in perspective, this is a good not great year with it with a chance to finish nine and three go to a good bowl and and kind of move into next year with a lot of momentum absolutely and i mean a 10 and 3 season with the bowl win it's not what we wanted but it's it's a yeah and i mean season. if we end up in one of those bowls we're gonna have a pretty good opponent right we'll have one of those top teams with a chance to to end on a high note right end on a high note beat a good team because right now we don't have you know great wins on the resume um so obviously we got to finish these last two weeks. We've got Rutgers and Maryland. Uh, I, I jokingly call them cupcakes in my post-game uh, video, so I hope I didn't jinx us. But um, I saw that. but you got to feel good about ending the season on a high note. So let's jump into this actual game, Penn State Wisconsin. Uh, we'll start with our weekly awards: Lion and a Lamb. Who is your lion for this week? Got to give it to Miles Sanders, going over a thousand yards on the season, 159 yards on the ground, and you know, a touchdown averaging seven yards a carry. I love seeing him put up a big game again after we've kind of struggled to get him really involved in the offense. And these are the kind of games that this kid deserves because he is that good. And if you look at his season overall, he's still putting up impressive stats, but he is better than the stats he's put up in the past few games. And it was great to see yeah, him break I, out. Yeah, uh, he was the first on my list. I had a feeling you were going to take him. Uh, just did the quick math, actually, 6.9 yards per carry. Nice. I want to make sure we, we credit that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm immature. It's yes. seven. Um, but, yeah, I thought this was a really good game for him. Something that we've we've kind of credited Miles for a lot on is that he'll get you the three or four yards every time, you know, even if the play's not there, he'll kind of dive forward. He won't try to dance too much. I thought we saw a lot of really good, like, patience from him in this game and vision. There were a couple of runs where he he would let it develop, bounce it to the outside, um, and, and really just churn one off. Um, There's one in particular, I think it was early in the second quarter. It was kind of, a, I think it was an off-tackle run to the right, and he kind of waited a couple minutes, waited, waited, and then just took off, and it was a you know, 12 or 14-yard run. Um, and it just, it just shows you how special he can be. Um, I think he had a couple of catches, maybe one or two catches in the game. Uh, the touchdown, touchdown yeah, was nice, you know, leapt over uh, at the goal line. Um, oh no, sorry, he nice, nice. That's my bad. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's, you know, again showing you how good he can be. I, I we keep seeing the tweets of where he's at in the season versus where Saquon was last season. It's like, dude, we're we're how many games into the season? Just enjoy him for what he is. He is our running back. He's the man. Um, and I think I think this is a good time to to jump into that conversation of of the NFL draft convo. Um, I I see both sides I think, but I'm interested to hear. Um, tell me first, like what your gut is. Do you think he'll go after this season that he's having, and then more so what he should do? No, uh, no I don't think he'll go. First of all, because I I think just as a team, this team feels like there's some unfinished business in the way this season's gone. Uh, secondly, he hasn't put up the big stats against the really good teams that will definitely hurt his draft stock. And thirdly, running backs just aren't valued quite as high as they, you know, or not actually, I should say not nearly as high as they used to be. So those are all, those are holding back from exiting early. Yeah. And, and I agree. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think he should, but 
um, we did in our in our preseason preview. You know, we did a list of the guys that we thought could go, and and I I think I, I said like, hey, maybe if he has a really good one, you know, he he takes a chance. And like I said, the stats are good enough. And kind of looking at you know, it's still early for for mock drafts and all of that. But looking at some of the big boards that some of these analysts have out there, there's not a ton of top prospects at running back. Uh, I think there's a guy from like Iowa State. I think there's a dude from Oklahoma. Um, but I mean, I, I could see a point where if he, you know, if he goes to what do they have like the draft advisory board or so, you know, committee that tells you where they think you're going to be drafted. Some, you know, some advisory tells him, hey, you're probably going to go in the second round. There's not a lot of running back talent. You're showing you can do it. Shit, man, I would go get paid if I was him. Um, I, I wouldn't blame him. Right. Like, I, I agree. I think there's unfinished business. I think he comes back has another good season. He cements himself as a first rounder. Um, not number two overall, like Saquon, of course, but he'll be in the first round with another good year. Um, but I mean, you look at you look at this trend of of how guys are getting hurt and missing out on their chances. Um, it wouldn't shock me uh, if he would. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be shocked either. But if if I my gut guess is he doesn't leave early. Yeah, agreed. And and we'll do a you know after the last game we'll do a full breakdown of kind of our our official predictions of who we think is going to go, who we think should go. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. He is, he's a lion this week and, and man, it's just fun to watch him run. All right. Um, my lion for this week is going to be Rob Windsor, uh, big boy, defensive tackle, uh, Wisconsin kid. Um, he said he grew up wanting to be a badger, uh, that didn't, didn't work out obviously, but he doesn't regret anything. Um, he had a really great game, uh, six tackles, which I believe was third on the team and two of them were sacks. Uh, he, he was just playing some big boy football. Um, I'm sorry, second on the team with six tackles. Uh, he, he was just really disruptive. Uh, and we've talked all season about how we feel really, really great about our DNs, but the D tackles have been kind of suspect. And, man, he was playing with a force, and, and it was just really great to see him getting in the backfield and, and just really disrupting it. Yeah, um, and I've been very critical, especially of the defensive tackles. And he, he did have a great game. Um, yeah. Yeah, not, not you. You can't give enough credit. I'll I'll wait till the good to talk about our defense. Yes, again, agreed. But he he really showed up this game, and it was you know it was an important part of coming away with a win here. Yeah, definitely, and we and we need it. Um, so good to see him. I mean, he just he's a massive dude. He plays with power. Um, we've kind of we've known what he's been. We know what his potential is, and we just haven't quite seen it all year. So I was happy to see him kind of have a really great game against his hometown team. I think he had a lot of family there. It's always good to see that. Um. All right, let's get into Lamb. So Lamb is least valuable. And I'll be honest, I had a hard time finding one. So I'm interested to see who you came up with. Uh, I did as well because no one, even though we didn't light up the scoreboard, I didn't seem like anyone had a particularly poor game. So I'm going to go with Ricky Ron. Nice. Um, and this is going to be kind of a cumulative one of combination last week and this week. Just there seems to be an unbelievable lack of creativity in our offense which is insane to me considering that we have two very legitimate quarterback threats and we don't seem to mix it up enough. It seems like every time we put Tommy Stevens in, he's running the ball. He's rarely a threat to pass when he's lined up at quarterback. Uh, we do a very poor job of getting Miles Sanders involved in the passing game. And I think he's a capable receiving back and we just, we seem very predictable. Yeah, it, I, it's actually exactly who I picked as well. I couldn't, I couldn't find a player because we didn't, we didn't have any like 
signature bad plays or, you know, there wasn't a huge fumble that cost us, you know, the game. I mean, yeah, there's the one at the end we'll talk about. Well, there almost was. There almost was, but, um, you know, there wasn't anything crazy. So I agree. It was Ricky Ronnie. Um, and uh, shout out to our listeners. Apologies. We did not get an episode done last week. Um, here's your quick Michigan recap. We suck. We got shit pumped. Uh, it was really, really bad. Uh, I'm kind of happy we didn't have that one because that would just been so negative. Um, but yeah, that, that's the question. And, and I kind of mentioned at the top of the show is I'm very much questioning Ricky Ronnie. Uh, you know, he, he had been presented to us as sort of the prodigy and he had been with Franklin for however many years and he learned under Moorhead and, you know, he was going to kind of continue Moorhead style and, and take it to the next level even. Um, you know, he's a very, uh, you know, hot young candidate they say like as oh oh, yeah he's going to be an offensive coordinator and probably a head coach someday I just don't see it man like I get that it takes time I get that we have a lot of new players I get that things aren't going to be perfect right away um but I think all the things you just pointed out are exactly what we feel it's like very very predictable uh Tommy it felt like he was in the game a lot he didn't throw a single pass like he had he had seven rushes for 25 yards that's not a special package. That's just a running quarterback, and they know what you're going to do. It's like the Wildcat in the NFL. How many times have they ever actually passed out of the Wildcat? Never. Like, they're going to run it. Uh, it's just a direct snap to a big runner. Uh, so that's annoying. Um, I mean, I think he's only thrown, like, two passes as the Lion this season. Yeah, he had that one and touchdown. what's the point move. of having that package if he's not a passing threat? Right. It seems really useless to me. Yeah, absolutely. And Ricky Ronnie seems very unwilling to take chances or kind of venture outside the norm of his offense. And I think it's cost us so far this season. Yeah, I agree. And I, I was going to put it in one of our sections down below, but I'll, I'll talk about it here is I'm okay at this point in the season getting Tommy valuable reps. Like we, we've seen that Trace is, is still kind of banged up. He took another shot uh, to the leg, but but fought through it because he's an absolute beast. Um, I'm okay with Tommy getting like meaningful reps. Like I, I still think they should split. I'm not saying bench Trace. Um, but if you're going to bring him in, why not get him comfortable in the offense that he's going to lead next year? Like he's going to be our quarterback unless somehow Clifford just – you know, has an amazing offseason and hurdles him. Uh, he's going to be our quarterback. That's why he stayed, right? Get him the opportunities and shit, let him let him show what you can do. The kid's got a cannon. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was, you know, I won't say one-dimensional because we were actually very balanced, right? We had, you know, a really great ground attack with Miles and decent decent performance from, from Trace in the air, but it was just, I don't know, it was nothing. Yeah, we're, we're not one-dimensional. We're just not creative. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly the right way to say it. So, um, Which when you get up against these better teams and if they're able to shut down one aspect of your offense, if you can't get creative, things are going to go very poorly for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, And that, that's what happened against Michigan. <laughs> yep. That's what happened against Michigan State. Yep. Uh, they did a good job shutting down our run. And we weren't able to get anything going with the past because it, I mean, for multiple reasons in the Michigan game, but we were just very vanilla in our playbook in both of those games. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. We are, we are vanilla. And I mean, Moorhead was kind of the opposite of that, right? There was always something and it wasn't even trick plays, but there was something flashy, something, you know, you'd break off these huge chunk plays, you know, he would keep defenses guessing and, we're just not seeing that. So I don't think we need to. Well, Moorhead just kept throwing different things at defense that they had to deal with. Right. They had to allocate resources towards on defense. Yep. Yep. And Ricky Ronnie seems unable to make teams do that. Yeah. I won't, I won't say he reminds me of John Donovan, but he leaned that way as opposed to Moorhead, mm-hmm. which is not a good thing. Um, so I don't think we need to beat this one to death. Ricky Ronnie, you are a lamb for this weekend last. We'll give it to you for two weeks now. Um, 
yeah, I, I'm very interested to see how the rest of the season, the off season plays out. Uh, we've talked about how Franklin is a very loyal guy. I don't think he'll fire him after a nine and three season um, or demote him or anything like that. But shit, man, if, if we get off to a slow start next year, there's going to be a lot of people calling for his head. So Ricky Ronnie, you are lamb. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, good, bad, ugly. So uh, again, I don't think there's a whole lot of ugly. We can probably break this down into just good and bad this week. Uh, what do you got for some of the good? Uh, good in um, Jahan Dotson get involved. Yeah, uh, I, I would like to see him get involved more. The fact that he was our you know leading receiver in yards, and he the kid's a play. He's a young, young guy, young talent. He's a playmaker, and I want to see more of him out there on the field because he's actually shown the ability to catch the ball. Yeah, absolutely. There was that one play. Uh, it was what the third and seventeen, I think it was something like that, and. You know, Trace actually got really good protection, stepped up in the pocket, found him wide open um, on a really great route over the middle. Like, he, he ran a really, really great route. I think it was like a 30-yard pass um, and a good good chunk of yards after the catch. So, I agree. It's encouraging to see him playing well. We did have a Justin Shorter sighting. Uh, first career catch, one reception for three yards. Um, and that dude looks big, man. He does. Um, but Dotson, Dotson has been the pleasant surprise of that, of that freshman wide receiver core. Completely agree there. Um, let me see what I have on my list. I got a lot of, actually I had a lot of good, like I said, this was overall a good game. Um, we'll break this one down into kind of subcategories, but I think defense overall, um, you know, we held them to 10 points, which was great. Uh, I hate doing this cause I, I, I always like clown on people who do this, but if you remove the Jonathan Taylor 71 yarder, and then one of the other guys had a 37-yard run. We held them to 100 yards on the ground. And they were very one-dimensional. Like, they're, we knew their backup quarterback was not throwing on us. I think he threw for, like, 60 yards. Um, so we knew they were going to run. Uh, I think Franklin said in the post game that they're the number four rushing offense in the country, um, which doesn't surprise you with a guy like Taylor. So I think uh, Brent Pry called a pretty good defensive game. And, and, you know, I've kind of been up and down on him over the season um, and, and that's kind of how it goes, right? Is we, we have these roller coaster of emotions and we look to, you know, call out things when they're not working. This was a really good defensive game. Um, we can break it down. I think the, I think the D line was incredible. Uh, I thought the interceptions were nice. I thought Micah Parsons was really good. Uh, where do you want to start? Um, yeah. D line was phenomenal. Brent Pry uh, did a great job, like you said, realizing that their backup quarterback wasn't going to be prolific. So he put the pressure on them to make him, you know, make him make plays, and they, he couldn't do it. The defensive ends were incredible again, um, doing a great job, even, like, helping Robert Windsor get one or, one or both of his sacks by forcing that quarterback up in the pocket towards him. Uh, just there was so much pressure all day. And, you know... With a, with a talented guy like Taylor, break off one run, that yeah. could happen. That's not the end yep. of the world. You, you held you held this team to ten points. That's you can't complain yeah, about exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you know we talked about who cares about the yards, right? It's it's about the points at the end of the day, um, and that was really great. So yes, uh, Reef had two sacks, uh, Windsor with two, and my new man crush Eater Gross Matos uh, with one. I mean, that dude is just an absolute animal. Uh, I'm so happy we have him for at least one more year. Uh, Reef, we'll get into that conversation if maybe he's he, – because he can go to the NFL. Um, kind of same thing as Miles for me. Like, wouldn't surprise me because we've had some defensive ends leave early because um, edge rusher is just so important in the NFL. But, man, what another what another yeah. year would do for his draft stock. Um, 
But yeah, five sacks on the day against an offensive line that has only allowed 13 all year. Um, that I thought was really impressive. We've talked about Wisconsin, Iowa, those kind of, you know, um, middle of the country, big country boy linemen. Like those guys get drafted in the first round all the time. There's always Wisconsin offensive linemen. So to see our D-line just really, really having their way with them uh, was fantastic. Um, and that moves me to the next part is Micah Parsons. This kid is special, man. He's playing really, really well. Uh, led the team in tackles for this game, and he, I believe he still does on the year. Um, I'm, I'm going to say he needs to be starting. Like, I just talked about how Franklin is loyal, and I get that he's loyal to Koa Farmer. Koa Farmer is not nearly as good as Micah Parsons. He's been a fairly good role player, and I say that even kindly over there his years. Um, you know, he's had his challenges. Micah Parsons should be starting and getting every rep possible. I absolutely agree with you. He's game in and game out. He's shown that he's been better than Koa Farmer. I actually can't think of a single game in which Koa Farmer has looked better than Mike no, Parsons. Definitely not. And Koa Farmer does tend to make some mistakes here or there that end up being costly. So I, I would like to – and Michael Parsons just plays with such – he's always near the play. Even when he's not the one making the tackle, he seems to always be in the area. He does a great job diagnosing plays – getting downfield, great run stopper. He's good in the pass game. I would like to see a lot more. Yeah, I mean, you look at this game. He led the led the team in tackles with seven. Koa had one. They're playing the same position. Like, you can't tell me it's, you know, oh, well, it was different time, different this. Like, the dude's just an animal. Um, I liked that they're letting him, uh, and this is probably Pry, uh, kind of rush the quarterback a little bit more. Not that he was doing it all game, but I think I saw a few plays where, where they did let him get in there a bit. Um and he's just he's getting better. Like the 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 players have talked about it when when they're asked about him in the post game. Franklin has talked about it. Like he's just getting so much smarter where he's understanding and like you said, really diagnosing these plays to like listen, we knew this kid was a freak athlete, right? Five star, just absolute beast, played both ways in high school. He was a dominant running back and a dominant pass rusher. Like we know he's freakishly athletic. The fact that he's learning a brand new position and doing it really, really well. Um, just kind of tells you how special he's going to be, uh, which I, which I think yeah, is awesome. And he's also just way more versatile than Koa Farmer, too. He can do more things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, he, he can play outside linebacker, and he can rush the quarterback. I, I don't understand why he's not starting. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I think maybe you see that uh, <laughs> next week. I, I, shit, it's the end of the year. And like I said, it's I get the loyalty thing, and I think Franklin is kind of overly loyal with things like this. Um, had a good conversation last night. Uh, shout out friend Tony Black. Uh, he was talking about how like, hey, does this does this kind of, you know, not sway judgments for recruits, but hey, if I'm a five star recruit and I'm crushing it, but I'm still going to be playing behind, you know, a guy that's just there in a fifth year senior, like obviously Micah should be playing uh, Justin Shorter. We don't know what's going on but he should be playing like as, as abysmal as our receiving core has been like you kind of have to worry a little bit is, you know, does this make kids question like, Hey, is Franklin going to let me play or am I going to go somewhere where I know I'm going to play? Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to, that's going to depend on the kid. They're either going to look at it like, like you said, or they're going to say, you know, this guy, once I prove myself, this guy is not going to give up. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. So it's, it, it just depends on the recruits outlook. And I, I, I think it tends to be, for recruiting, I think it tends to be a better thing, especially with the parents. I think the parents are going to see that and say that, you know, once you've proven yourself, once you've proven that you can play, he's not going to give up on you because of a bad game, because of a bad play. 
Yeah. You know, he's going to stick with his guys. I actually like that. Look at you being the optimist. I'm telling you, throughout throughout the yes. course of the season, I think you and I have flipped roles. I've become very, I've become bit, very cynical bit. at times. Uh, but, yeah, I like that. Uh, so either way, Mike had a great game. He needs to be starting. Uh, last thing on the defense we'll talk about, two interceptions. Uh, Amani had a good one. Ball was underthrown, but he made a nice play on it. Um, he's going to be a first or second rounder. Like the more and more I read about this kid, uh, this is, I believe his last year of eligibility. So we're losing him regardless. Um, NFL scouts are, are loving this kid. Uh, he's got the size. They say, you know, he's not as fast as maybe you'd like, but he's got the size. He's a playmaker. Um, sure. He's gotten beat on one or two. We can look back at the Michigan state game, but he's got everything you want as an NFL corner. Um, I was reading, there's a really good article on the athletic about him and in, in an interview with him. And they had a quote uh, from, I don't remember. I think it was NFC East. Uh, they never tell you who it is, but they said an NFC East scout. And they said, uh, you know, he could be lining up for us today and, and have a real impact. So um, great to see that from Amani. And then Nick Scott had a, another game ceiling interception uh, a la Iowa. So really, really nice from our secondary. Um, as usual, we've talked their strength and uh, I'm excited to see what Amani will do at the next level. Yeah, I love this secondary so much. And the way he's coming along as a player. He's uh he's simultaneously very physical and very cerebral, and you gotta love that. He plays hard, but he plays smart. I love watching. Yeah, him. absolutely. Um, hey Jets, we need corners. Look at Amani Oruoria. Um, <laughs> we need dolphins. Man, our uh, sick. Quick, quick side tangent. Holy shit, the Jets are bad. Um, holy shit, the Jets are bad. Forty-one to ten of the goddamn Bills. All right, back to Penn State. It's a Penn State podcast. Um. So I, I have a couple things that I kind of have in between good and bad. So I'll do a quick in between section here. Uh, Jake Pinniger, really, really good hitting from 49, from 42, from 23. Uh, but then he also, he missed from 45. He had one blocked from 44 and he missed an extra point. Uh, I know it was windy. I get that it was windy. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he's, he's progressed so well <clears throat> over the season from a time where I was, you know, calling for his job to a point where I feel pretty comfortable. And, and obviously Franklin does if we put him out there four times from 42 or deeper, uh, you know, only made two, unfortunately, but I, I'm kind of in between. Like I want to see a little bit more consistency. Yeah. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with that one. There's a marked improvement with him from the beginning of the season. And that's very hopeful, but I'm not entirely sold on whether he is the guy, you know, in years going forward. Uh, especially because the kicks that he made are coming off really low. Yeah. And that is part of why, you know, he's getting – he's had a couple of blocks. Yeah. When you're kicking them that low, that it's going to make it easier for a block coming from a defensive lineman just – Right, and that's up. a – yeah. And so yeah, that's a really good observation. Back. And that's coachable, right? That that he can learn. He can he can affect his arc. Um, but, yeah. Well, it, it seems like that's the – arc he needs to get the leg got it i see what you're Sometimes. saying yeah the one the ones uh that he made were you know kind of nail biters they were just going over but you look back to i think it was the iowa game he was booting them from 45 and having plenty of room so maybe the wind did play a factor it, it looked that's true he might want to keep yeah it, it looked like a beautiful day on tv but shit man it was 31 degrees and windy as hell um so i get it and that's why like i said i'm not i'm not upset at this um it's just sort of an in-between for me he made some really clutch ones that we needed um, and it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, can, can he find that? Yeah, you, you've, there's, there's been great improvement from him, but he's just not quite. Yeah. Dead. Every, every time he trots out for a 40 plus, um, kind of holding my breath a little bit. So, I mean, he, he's our scholarship kicker. He's going to be the guy and, you know, until something 
catastrophic happens, knock on wood, that won't. Like, until he has a Sam Thicke and miss four field goals in a game, like, I don't think they're going to switch it up. Yeah. But, you know, want to see a little bit more consistency. Um, another one kind of in between. Uh, I'll start with the bad aspect of this. We only threw for 160 yards, no receiver over 40. Um, but Trace completed 76% of his passes. 19 of 25, I think that's the math. Um, only, I think, two drops. I remember the one off of Friermuth's hands. I think maybe one other. Um, and There was another that was almost an interception. I don't remember that one. I missed, I missed part of the game. I had to walk to, to get myself an energy drink. It was an early morning. Um, but, yeah, so this one's kind of in between for me, too, because, you know, all year we've been clamoring for, well, shit, open this offense up. We want to see the passing game. We want to see Trace go over 300. Like, I get it. It was windy. The run game was working, right? So you don't need to get crazy. Um, but like you talked about with, with the Ricky Ronnie stuff is, is man, 160 yards is not really, you know, not really screaming off the stat sheet. Pedestrian. Yeah. So I, I think the, the completion percentage was awesome because you've seen, you know, you've seen that number in like the low 50s, maybe up to 60s um, throughout most of the year. So 19 of 25, that's probably one of his best performances. Um, and again, Trace, you know, just fighting through. He's got the brace on his leg. He's he's playing through whatever kind of injury he's got. Um, kind of in between for me on the pass game. Yeah, that certainly was. You'd like to see, like you said, the completion percentage is great. But we didn't score a whole lot. We scored two touchdowns yeah. on the day. Yep, and that's that's you know if we get into one of these better bowl games against a good team, that performance isn't going to get it done. Oh, absolutely. So it's one of these things that it, it works out for the game that we were in, but it's not very. It's not we really, doesn't inspire hope going forward. Yeah, and that's what Franklin said in, in one of his post game interviews too. Was you know. Hey, it felt good about the offense. Miles was obviously doing some great things, um, but we stalled out. And then that's been a theme all year is that we stall out. We, you know, we have these three now. We have these ones where we're marching down the field and we have to put Pinninger out there for a 44, 45, 46. Shit, we, we attempted five field goals, right? It's, that's not great. Um, our red zone efficiency is actually really, really good from, from what I remember. I don't remember the exact stat, um, but you gotta, you know, you gotta convert touchdowns more than more than field goals. That's the basic math of winning a football game. Um, so yeah, it's it's in the middle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the fact that we had a running back put up 160 yards and we only we only scored two touchdowns, just it's it's not what you want to see. Yeah, we have to be better at punching the ball in. And again, it, it's kind of indicative of where our where we struggle as a program sometimes in the last three years, where we we're putting up huge points against teams that we're better than, but against the teams that are on the, on a similar level to us, whether it's, you know, right around there or a little bit better, we can't seem to have like, we, we don't seem to be able to get it done all the time. And that's, that's not going to work out when you're playing great yeah, teams. Exactly. So that's kind of in my middle there. Um, I didn't have a lot for bad. Like I said, it was, you know, we, we've repeated this a couple times. It wasn't a crazy blowout game. There wasn't a ton of bad stuff happening either. What do you have in your bad category? Ah, uh, fumbles. We got to get better holding on the ball. Yep. So we had, I mean, this, we had that weird one at the end, right? Uh, with the lion package, which number one, yeah, why the hell do you have the lion package? Why do you have Tommy in there at the end when we're trying to kill clock? We have a 12 point lead. Like that's stupid. Um, I was actually okay with that because I think we have a tendency to get 
too conservative at the end of games, and that's a big reason why we have lost so many fourth-quarter leads. So I actually am totally okay with that. Chances of botch snaps happening are not high, generally. So kind of a freak accident. There. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I agree. It was. It was just, you know, Miles was in motion. The snap happened. I don't know whose fault that was, whether Miles wasn't supposed to be moving or the center. I think Mennett snapped it too early. Um and, and I can kind of see what you're saying. Like, hey, let's, you know, we, we've been too conservative. But this to me almost almost sounds like an overcorrection. Like, well, shit, we've been too conservative. So let's go throw Tommy out there. Like, and just fucking play your offense and, and get a couple first downs. You win the game. Like, I don't know. To me, it seems like it should be simpler. But, yeah, that fumble was was obviously scary because that's the time where we're about to run the clock out. And now they're in incredible field position. Um, so, obviously, the defense did a good job kind of keeping us in it there. Um other fumbles, so C.J. Thorpe, my man, <laughs> number 69, big boy, gets the kick return. Um, good for him for fielding it and, and running. Uh, his, stiff, his stiff arm was was awesome, uh, but but he let it go, and, and you know, there's no harm on that one. We recovered. Um, and then the third one that I saw was Sharif. Uh, so there was that um, really cool play where I think it was Yeter on the one side, strips the ball from the quarterback, and they, they logged it as a fumble, but I don't think that ever hit the ground. No, they logged as an interception, I think. Did they? I was looking at I was looking at ESPN earlier and it said uh fumble recovered by Sharif Miller. Right. I don't know. Here nor there. It was definitely interception, right? It, it went out of the dude's hand and never hit the ground. So it was an interception. Um yeah. and Sharif, man, he had a funny comment in uh in his post game interview. They asked him like what happened. He's like, Man, I haven't had the ball in my hand for like nine years, so I just went for it. Uh so you know, he he was trying to run and score there and, and got stripped. Um, that could have been a nice momentum change, but again, you know, no harm, no foul there. So I agree. Ball security has been, has been something we've talked about, but you know, two of our three fumbles come from defensive linemen. And then one of them was that weird yeah. one. It's bad, right? It, Cause they, they could have had such a bigger impact on the game. Um, Got to clean it up, but luckily we, uh, we didn't hurt too bad from them this time. I guess I, I should say more so than ball security is managing yeah. mistakes. That's another thing that is, again, like kind of indicative of this season. We tend to make the yep, big mistakes. Definitely. Um, only other thing I could find in the, the bad category that I marked down because I had fumbles as well. Um, offensive line, I guess I probably could have put this in the in-between category. I thought they played fairly well for the most part. Obviously in the run game, you know, blocking for miles, um, you know, and he gave a lot of credit to them too. Um, but we did we did have some sacks and tackles for loss. I think there's three sacks, uh, seven total tackles for loss. So I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not an offensive line expert. Like, let me be the first to say that. It, it, again, it, it falls into the managing mistakes thing. Okay. We we just see we seem to make too many big mistakes. Yeah, timely. Okay. Yeah, I, I, like like I said, I'm not gonna try to expand on this because I'm I don't have a like too many too many brain farts, too many missed blocks. Just it, it seems to happen too often yeah. this team. There's not enough consistency. Yeah, and, and it looked like they were getting some other guys in there. I think Mike Miranda was in at one point. Um, so uh, Chaz Wright, I think, is is back to his rotational. Um, Will Fries seems to have earned his spot back. Uh, I don't know. It, it's in the middle for me. Like I said, I'm not going to try to talk about something like I know it because I don't. But from what I thought was going to be a really, really big strength for us on the offensive line, I'm still still concerned. It's been a bit of a disappointment. Yep, absolutely. I, th- I mean, and again, I thought Ryan Bates was a surefire NFL uh, talent. Connor McGovern too. Um, I, I don't. Th- I don't see any of them leaving. Um, I don't. I just don't see how they could. Um, but again, we'll get into that in a later episode. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't have anything else for bad. What do you got? Yeah, uh, really third good. down, six for 15. So I think that's right around 40%, which is a little higher than our season uh, average. So that was kind of kind of good. Um, I don't know why I'm going back to good. I'm just looking at some stats here. Uh, penalties were actually pretty good, too. We only had three penalties uh, for 22 yards, which has been a bit of an Achilles heel for us. Um, so overall, it's a good win. Like I said, we, we moved to seven and three, have a chance to finish this season very strong um, and, and move on, right? Move on from some of the bad that we've had this year and, and finish, finish really strong. So a couple of quick notes. Uh, Trace earned his 29th career win, tying the all-time record uh, with Blackledge and one other guy, I think. Uh, so obviously uh, all things going as we planned for the next two, he will be the Blackledge and one other guy. What, what I know. I, I don't remember his name. I'm sorry. I'm a terrible <laughs> fucking fan. Like if it's, if it's, if it's pre 2008, no, no. I don't really know a lot about it. Um, so that was cool. So obviously with the last two games, you know, expecting to win both, he'll, he'll sit atop that mountain by himself uh, and he'll have pretty, pretty much damn near every passing record, every quarterback record that, that you could have, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, and then the other one I wanted to shout out, uh, KJ Hamler is a finalist for the Paul Hornog Award, which is given to the most versatile yeah. player in college football. Saquon won it last year. Uh, and there is a fan vote. So I was reading today, there's 17 voters. And then the fan vote is the 18th vote. Uh, he currently leads. He leads over Rondell Moore from Purdue. Um, but it's a slim margin. So get out there. I'll drop the link on our Twitter. Get out there. You can vote once a day until I think it's like December 3rd or something. Um, vote for our boy. Uh, he's had a hell of a season. It would be pretty cool to, to see back-to-back winners with, with Saquon and KJ. Yeah, absolutely. Get out there, support our guy. And, you know, he he definitely deserves this award. He's a guy who just does everything for our team. Yeah. And, and has probably been the best surprise yes, of the season. Yes, absolutely. Um, not to pat myself on the back, called it in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> um, shit, did. one more good that I forgot. Uh, totally forgot. I don't know how this slipped my mind. Uh, it was Thon, Thon game. So uh, the team wore Thon stickers on the back of their helmets and Devin and Leah still were honorary captains, which I just thought was awesome. Um, Thon holds a, uh, a near and dear place Absolutely. in both of our hearts, right? Both danced in Thon. Uh, so to see the team, Absolutely. team supporting, um, to see Devin and Leah out there, I believe Leah is doing well. I haven't seen any uh, updates recently, um, but you know, she battled cancer and, and Devin, a former Penn Stater, um, has been a really ad- real big advocate for, for the cause. So it was pretty cool to see them on the field. She flipped the coin. Um, just a, just a feel good moment. Yeah. And just, a some, another one of those things that why we all love Penn state so yeah. much. And I, I love seeing, just get being reminded of that, that it's sometimes that's not all about football or, and sports, but we love this place because of what it is. And, you know, our experiences there beyond, Yep, Sports. absolutely. Um, all right, before we get into uh, before we get into our wrestling talk, which you'll have to come up with a cool name for that segment, um, we haven't we haven't been very consistent with these episodes, and I've said it before. I'll say it again. Shout out to people who are like doing this every week in and out. I hardly find the time to to actually prepare for these the way I should. This has been really fun this season. I think next season is going to be pretty pretty much our. Uh, our coming out party. We'll be, we'll be more prepared. Um, but the one segment I, I kind of liked is our big 10 baller and big 10 bozo. So I kind of want to do one for this week. Did you have anyone you wanted to call out for either of those awards? I've got a okay, bozo. Let's, well, let's start with the baller. So I'll go big 10 baller, uh, best performance in the big 10 for this week. And I'm giving it to Northwestern as a team. They have clinched the big 10 West uh, with a win over Iowa, uh, Wisconsin lost, Purdue lost. So they have clinched the West and they're going to go to the big 10 championship uh, and i'm just happy to see someone other than wisconsin or iowa 
Um, I think they'll probably probably lose that Big Ten championship to, I don't know, Michigan or Ohio State, whoever goes from our side. Um, but I thought that was pretty cool. I've always been a big fan of Pat Fitzgerald. Um, Northwestern Northwestern Absolutely. is one of those schools that's like, you know, good for them. I'm happy for them. So Northwestern, you're my Big Ten ballers of the week. Um, that is great, right? And, you know, I actually, I do like Okay, ball. who's your baller? Big Ten, uh, Penn State Wrestling. <laughs> Penn State Wrestling. Putting on a pin party Okay. Today. I'll get into it later in the episode. But, oh, my God, it was baller. <laughs> Penn State Wrestling, you're a Big Ten Baller of the Week. All right. And uh, Big Ten Bozo. So the Big Ten Bozo of the Week is me. Um, I, I almost gave myself a lamb a couple of weeks ago. I am formally giving myself the Big Ten Bozo. Uh, like I said, I'm happy we didn't do a Michigan episode, but here's my mini rant on that. Going into that game, I called Michigan overrated. I said they didn't deserve it. They don't deserve to go to the playoff. And then they crushed us. Absolutely crushed us. I said OSU would be better. Ohio State, yeah, they're going to be better. They almost lost to goddamn Nebraska. Uh, I know nothing. I am not a college football expert, and I am a bozo. Um, so I think the Michigan-Ohio State game will – I think it will be a great game. But the way Michigan is playing, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Ohio State. Like They, they have not looked themselves, really, for the last couple of weeks. Um, so I'm a bozo. Michigan, Michigan – controls their own destiny uh you know as long as they as long as they win against ohio state which i believe is the last game of the season uh they'll go to the big 10 championship because i think the tiebreaker would be that head-to-head right because right now they don't have any losses in the big 10 and and ohio state has one from that loss to produce that head-to-head game would be the tiebreaker uh, and ohio state would ohio state would go ahead of them but i think michigan goes to the big 10 they probably beat northwestern and go to the playoff and that sucks because i fucking hate them uh that that long-haired him. dude, Winovich. That long-haired dude, Chase Winovich. Man, oh, he he hate pissed me off a whole lot. And, and like, shit, he killed us. Like, I have, you know, I can't say anything. He absolutely killed yeah. us. But uh, I am my Big Ten bozo of the week, so I humbly accept this word. Like I got to give it to uh, Michigan State, who I on in the span of about three plays snapped it out of the end zone for a safety and then fumbled in the end zone for a Ohio State touchdown. About yeah. as bad as it gets. Did they intentionally take that safety? Is that what I saw? Absolutely not. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I saw some people tweeting like they purposely purposely snapped it over his head to take the safety because they were afraid of getting the punt so. blocked. Either way, so. yeah. Either way, you're you're a couple of bozos. So Michigan State, man, that game was that game was tied for a while, right? It was zero zero for, yep. for a long time. Um, and then you know you let up. What is it? Nine points in about four points. Yeah. Things can change. Not a recipe for success. Uh, so Michigan State joins me as Big Ten Bozos of the Week. Uh, great honor. Really, really great honor. Only a couple people have gotten it. So uh, good for you, Michigan State. Um, all right. We got uh, Rutgers next week, I believe. Uh, we'll do a preview maybe later this week. Uh, we'll open up as some crazy favorite, 26, 27 points. Um Quick gambling. We did cover this week, uh, 22-10 over Wisconsin. We were yep. The line was between 7 and 9 all week, so we did cover. Uh, under over was 51, so that went way under. Um, but, yeah, we'll do, it. we'll do an episode later in the week, short episode, uh, breaking down Rutgers if we, if we feel there's enough to talk about. But uh, we're going to end this episode with a new segment that Pat is going to come up with a name for. It's about Penn State wrestling. Uh, so the season we kicks off. We should up. just call it the old, uh, the old wrestling recap. Oh, I like that. All right. Wrestling recap. Um, so the season kicked off today and I will, I will be the first to say that I know very, very little about uh, wrestling in general or Penn State wrestling. Uh, obviously, I will support them. Um, we talked about David Taylor, who I've learned a lot more about through you. 
Yeah, I, I like I follow along on Twitter, but um, I'm not one to sit down and watch a wrestling match. So this is your segment, man. Take us through how the season start. What are your you know what are your aspirations? What are your hopes? Where where are we where are we gonna feel uh, this season for Penn State wrestling? All right, so I'm gonna give a little background for anyone out there who isn't well versed in wrestling or Penn State wrestling. Uh, we have won seven of the last eight national championships. This Ooh. is one of the. This is going to go down, I think, as the best dynasty in like college sports history. Certainly in Penn State sports history. Um, we big win today, fifty-two to three over Kent State. Love to see it. It you know wasn't a big test for Penn State, but boy did we perform. Um, little background for you guys: the way a wrestling match works. Uh, there are different types of wins. You can either win by decision, which is uh, win by points. Uh, then there's a major decision, which you would win by eight points, eight to 14 points. Then there's a technical fall, which is if at any point in the match you are up by 15 points or more, it just ends. And then there's a pin, which, you know, both shoulder blades go to the mat. Now, sure. a decision is worth three points, a major decision four, a technical fall is five. And a pin is six points. Yeah, so, to get to, so to get to fifty-two, we not only we not only won, but we kicked some ass. Yes, we, we put on an absolute pin party. So kicked off with uh, one twenty-five. Devin Schnupp with the only loss of the day for Penn State. Uh, this is a kid who he doesn't, you know, he's got some talent, but he just doesn't seem to be get be able to get over the hump of winning a D one wrestling match. He had just has a tendency. He got out to an early lead and then kind of let it slip away. He just has a tendency to lose these close matches, and he's not going to be the guy going forward. Um, you know, he just, he, he's not, not going to be able to stack up against, like, a Spencer Lee from Iowa, who has a chance to go down as one of the best college wrestlers ever. Um, and, you know, in big matches against, like, Ohio State or in the NCAA tournament where we're going to need team points, it seems to be that he's just not our guy. And we get now, one guy. We get one guy per weight class. Yeah. Yes, we do. Now, cool. Penn State has two freshmen who they're kind of. What you can do in wrestling is you open. You can compete people in open tournaments, and they they don't lose a year of eligibility. So we've got two guys who I think we're having compete in some of the early season open tournaments, and then we will choose one to become our one twenty five pounder for the season and redshirt the other one. So it's not okay. going to be Devin Schnupp going forward. There's going to be most likely a significantly more talented wrestler there. So keep okay. your hopes up there. And a guy, um, I think the favorite right now is Gavin Teasdale. He was a great high school wrestler. He's a guy that could come in and be an All-American as a freshman. Now, 133, Roman Bravo Young. I believe is a true freshman. I saw his name on Twitter up... a lot today. Yes. Oh, he picked up the win at uh, – by, by pin, five minutes, 31 seconds in the match. And he came out with an early takedown and then just rode the hell out of this guy on top, absolutely dominated, and then finally picked up the fall. Okay. This was exciting to see. Um, he, he hasn't, you know, this wasn't a real big test as this kid from Kent State, not a great wrestler. But he certainly played the part of what a dominant wrestler should do to a less dominant one. It'll be very interesting to see what he can do with uh, DeSanto from Iowa later on in the postseason. Uh, his first big test this season is, I believe, going to come against Lehigh, which is on December 2nd. Let me 
Uh, it'll be Scott Parker from Lehigh, seventh ranked in the country. And we'll be wrestling them on December 2nd. That'll be our third dual meet of the season. So we'll, we'll be able to see pretty early what this kid's really made of. And I'm very excited. He, he definitely has All-American written all over him. Okay. Hey, man, that's, I mean, that's what you expect, right? You win big when you're supposed to win. So this wasn't exactly. a test, and he crushed it. That's awesome. And then we moved to 141 with Nick Lee. He was a kid who last season showed a lot of promise, but seemed to have trouble winning the big matches. He comes out, gets the big technical fall, 18-2 to in the second period. Dominant fashion. Again, not the biggest test. Um, let me see when his first real tough match is going to be. Uh, he doesn't look to have anything coming up in, really until Ohio State. Okay. So it'll be later on in the season when we really see what he's made of against the cream of the crop competition. But he's, again... I don't know if he, he's going to be able to beat Pletcher from Ohio State, but he's a kid that will should definitely give us team points in uh, the national tournament. Okay, good to know. And then at 149, we got uh, – this, this name is killing me – Jared Verclearen. Um, stepping into the shoes of Zane Rutherford, who is potentially the best wrestler Penn State's ever had and one of the best college wrestlers of all time. One law, I think only one loss in his entire career, maybe two. I know that I name. two losses. You're saying he's better and than David Taylor, three time national champion. Better than David Taylor, so he's, he's coming in with big shoes to fill. Picks up the pin at a minute 20 seconds into the match. Wow, absolutely dominated. Um, again, against some weaker competition, but I, I'm looking forward to some serious. Uh, I, I this kid's got all American written all over him. And again, he'll get an early a test pretty early on in the season against uh, Josh Markura of Arizona State, who we wrestle right after Lehigh. So we'll be able to see what this kid's really made of early on and if he has as much potential as it looked like today. Okay. And then we move in to the big boys. Jason Nolf going, you know, this kid's going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. Um, one, one a national, he's a you know, three-time national champ. He is an absolute stud. He went out and just – he did Jason Nolf things today. He put on an absolute takedown clinic in the first period. I think he took the kid down five times in the first period and then pinned him. Damn. Uh, picks up the fall at 229, absolute dominant fashion. Vincenzo Joseph, two-time uh, national champ returning for his junior season, a kid who's going to look to close out his career as a four-time national champion. And, uh, you know, just adding on to the pin party, picks up the fall at three minutes and 40 seconds. So we're just um, dominating these dudes. This is fantastic. Keep going. I'm, I'm getting excited oh, about this shit. <laughs> and then we got Mark Hall, um, a kid who came in, won a national, came in halfway through the season his freshman year, kind of like what we're going to be looking to do at 125. And he won a national championship his freshman year. Wow. Last year, came in second. Um, I mean, really what you're looking for out of Mark Hall this season is there's going to be one test for him, and that's going to be Sahid Valencia from Arizona State. Uh, again, that's that's going to be early on in the season, so it'll be very interesting. He's the only kid uh, who is, is any sort of threat, realistically. He beat Mark Hall in the finals last season. He's beaten him every time they've wrestled. And Zahid Valencia is an absolute stud. He is 12th ranked in the world, like internationally in the senior circuit. So he's very good. Okay. Um, 
but Mark Hall comes out and again dominates, picks up the fall at 34 seconds into the second period. Just, you know, got his takedowns easily and then absolutely rode this kid like a horse. Just dominated on top. It was great to see. Now, this year, um, it, it used to be the weights, uh, our weight classes stack a little differently. This year, we have our 197 pounder from last season, Shakur Rashid, wrestling at 184. Um, he's electric. He's a guy that he was an All American last season, and he's got potential to, I don't know about being a national champion. He could sneak in there, absolutely, but he's a guy who should absolutely place top four. And he comes out and picks up the pin in a minute and 13 seconds. Just wow. Totally dominates this kid. He's electric. They're going to love watching him this season. And then we have the big boy, Bo Nickel, moving up to 197. I know that season. name. I know that name. Bo Nickel is going to be going for his third national championship this year. He's a, another guy who's going to go down as one of the best wrestlers in college history. Um, it was a bummer that there uh, – so Kent State – actually has a really great 197 pounder. Um, let me try to remember his name, but he's the second ranked 197 pounder in the country. Um, Kyle Connell. Okay. And unfortunately he couldn't go today because of a shoulder injury. Mm. So it was a bummer that we didn't get to see that test, but I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not super, super, I'm not super worried about it. Um, you know, Bo goes out there and, is Bo Nickel picks up the fall two minutes and six seconds, just doing Bo Nickel things. He's the one that he's the one that gave us that quote last year, right? That's why he comes yep. to Penn State win that, championships, that's, yeah. win big matches, and win t- win team titles. That's awesome. That's my man right there. That's Bo awesome. <laughs> and then we had Anthony Kassar, um wrestling at two eighty five. He actually was splitting time with Shakur Rashid at one ninety seven last season, and then again, eventually Rashid got the go ahead. Uh, to wrestle in the postseason. Our regular heavyweight, Nick Nevels, guy who's ranked second in the country coming into the season, I believe, uh, had, had shoulder surgery in the offseason, and it was one of those things where we don't really need him to go, so he didn't. Uh, Anthony Kassar is a smaller heavyweight. He weighed in at under 230 today. The weight limit for the weight class is 285. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he's going to be, and that's him like being his heaviest. So he's going to be a smaller heavyweight on the season, but he definitely has... You know, he's got a lot more speed than a guy like Neville's does. He's got a better motor. So it'll be inter- interesting to see going forward what you get out of that. You know, it'll be easier for Neville's to match up with the Sam Stoles from Iowa, who are the big guys. But you could, you know, you're going to see more offense out of Anthony Kassar. When he went out there against, a, you know, a guy who seemed like he was at least 20 pounds heavier than him and put up a 17-2 to two tech fall, absolutely dominant. He's a guy that, you know, if he, if he does end up being our heavyweight, despite the fact that he's smaller, I would expect him to place top four. That's pretty damn good. I don't know how about wrestling, but top four sounds pretty good to me. It absolutely is. Uh, so, you know, you know, Penn State 52 to three. And I think things only get, in terms of our lineup, things are only getting going to get better because we're going to have a stronger 125 pounder going forward. And we're going to have the option at 285 of Kassar or Nevels. I, we're the odds-on favorite to win the national championship again. I think it absolutely happens. Um, it, it's between us, Iowa, and Ohio State, which is normal. Ohio State is not as good as they were last season. They've lost some great wrestlers. Penn State 
only lost Zane Rutherford. I mean, it, it's hard to say only lost Zane Rutherford. Right. He's one of the right. best ever. But we're, ret- we're returning uh, three national champions from last season and four guys who have been national champions. So this is going to be another dominant lineup. Um, other than at 125, 133, and 280, 285, we're going to be like the, really the only places that, you know, matches against we, – we don't wrestle Iowa in a dual meet this season. It's going to be a postseason matchup for us. But it, I think there's no way we don't win a national championship this season. Well, shit, you got to feel good about that. That many guys coming back with national championships. What I, what I just heard in that entire breakdown, and, and thank you for walking through that. That's actually really uh, educating for me. What I heard is we've got some of the best wrestlers in history. Uh, we shit-pumped this team, and we're going to win more oh, titles. Yeah. That's all I got um, on that, and that's amazing. There's no shortage of guys who are going to go down as absolute legends from this team. That's incredible. So you, you said Iowa and Ohio State are our main competition. Is that within the Big Ten, or is that national? Both. Okay, got it. Uh, are there any other powerhouses outside the, of the, the, Big the, the Big Ten? Is, the Big Ten is the absolute powerhouse of college. Okay, so it's like the old school SEC um, of football. But way more dominant. Okay. No, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. And, you know, there, there, are some, there are good programs outside the Big Ten. Oklahoma State's excellent. Oklahoma's got a solid team. Uh, you, you see, uh, weirdly enough, very small schools in Pennsylvania, like Clarion and Edinburgh, uh, often have great squads. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, But the, the Big Ten is really the – Yeah, but uh, – well, Pennsylvania wrestling is just extremely – That's what dominant. I mean. You, you get those big um, country boys, and, man, they're, they're going to do some work on you. Yeah, I, 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 it's not quite that. It, there's a little, there's a lot not more right. to it. But uh, Pennsylvania wrestling is just absolutely dominant, and it's great to see it happening in Penn State now. It's, this is going to be a great season. I think my, my prediction is Penn State doesn't lose a single dual meet. They're Big Ten champs and national champs. I am on board with that. Um, so that is your... And shout out to all the kids who wrestled today. You guys were incredible. Um, I, I just saw like, basically the whole lineup on Twitter today. I mean, on uh, Instagram. They're great. They, they, love, they love the hype. And they, they're never – these are not the kind of guys who don't live up to their hype. That's awesome. Yeah, it looked like our boy David Taylor was there, got some recognition as well for his world championship. Yes. So, hell, continuing great yeah. trend. That is the first edition of the Wrestling Recap. Thank you, Pat. Um, here's my goal for this season. Uh, I can't say I'm going to be a, a full-on fan and watch every single match, but my commitment is to learn more and more about the season, uh, contribute to this conversation at least a little bit, uh, and, and support these yeah. boys on the way to the national title. Like I said, for me, this is, you know, it's, I think a lot of Penn Staters have that with, with women's volleyball when they had their run. Uh, nobody was really, like, going to all the games or super fans, but, hell, you get super excited about it. And like you said, this is a dynasty, like, above any others. And, and hell, all probably all of college sports, seven out of eight national championships – that's, that's incredible. So um, Penn State Wrestling, you have my support. I'm going to try to learn a little bit this year and uh, excited to watch, man. Anything else to uh... – yeah, Guys, uh, throw some comments on Twitter or Instagram if you want uh, a video of me sitting down and making Chris watch wrestling <laughs> and trying to – I like that. That would actually be some great content. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and, hey, just in general, give us give us some, some love on, on Twitter and Instagram. Love interacting um with, with you guys there's there's a couple of you that that comment on our stuff and appreciate the hell out of that um but yeah we, we would love some questions from you guys you know take take some you know insight from what you want to hear about and, and we'll do our best to keep pushing out some good content so uh that's all i got penn state football 
good win. Penn State wrestling, dominant win. Pat, anything else for the fans? Um, just thank you guys for listening and, you know, support. Hell yeah. Can't tell you how much we appreciate Hell it. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, re, uh, we'll do a preview episode sometime later this week. Maybe. Uh, have a great week. We are.